All right. Hey, turn to your neighbor really quick and help me out. Say, hey, you, wake up. Awesome. Good deal. Well, let's pray and we'll get, we'll get rolling. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I thank you for their heart that desires to know you. And, Father, we just pray today, God, that uh, literally that once again we would open up our hearts wide. And, Father, we just believe today, God, that you'll speak to us. Father, we believe that, once again, we're not here by accident. Uh, Lord, you have a divine word that you want to tell us. And so, Father, we thank you just for freedom being in the house today. Father, we thank you for hunger and passion and anticipation for who you are and what you desire to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, for the past probably two months now, we've been talking about a culture of discipleship. And, uh, you know, if I could maybe give kind of a subtitle, because it's kind of involving, and, and I'm probably going much longer than what I'm used to uh, in a series. But, but it's really this. If you could approach what we're talking about with this mindset, we're really talking about a lifestyle of a disciple. And so it's really, uh, even for the past few weeks, even when we talked about the Word and even where we're going for the next few weeks, uh, you know, just, kind of, just approach it with that mindset. Here's the way my lifestyle uh, should look like as a disciple of Christ. So can we do that? If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. All right, so a few weeks ago, and I, I know I've repeated this again and again, but a few weeks ago we asked ourselves uh, the same question that Jesus asked his mother Mary in Luke chapter 2, and that question was this, is why do you seek me? And uh, basically we took that question and we kind of flipped it around and asked ourselves this, are we seeking God for the same reason he wants to be found? And, and then we broke it down even more, and it was simply this, um, it was simply this. Am I praying for the same reason God wants me to pray? Am I worshiping for the same reason God wants me to worship? How many of you guys know he has a divine purpose in every bit of that? And then we ask ourselves, you know, am I, am I reading the Bible for the same reason he wants me to read the Bible? We spent three weeks uh, just really talking about the reasons that God wants us to read the Bible. But today I kind of want to shift gears and I want to turn our focus and our attention to praise and worship. Can somebody say praise and worship? So I want to start off by really just giving you uh, a few of my own first uh, experiences, maybe. I said that with my first experiences with praise and worship. So let me kind of maybe uh, preface everything with this, okay? There's things I'm going to say today that I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm going to smile at you when I say it. Uh, and I don't mean, I really, please get my heart with this. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm slamming where we've come from. Or, or a previous church we've been in, or I'm slamming a certain church, that's not the intentions today, okay? We're going to talk about simply what the Bible says, and uh, so if you can kind of hear it not on the defensive, and uh, hear it that I'm not saying that we're better than other people because we're not, uh, but just hear it with an open heart. Fair enough? Yeah. All right, good deal. So, uh, growing up, I, I think my experience was probably not that different than a lot of you guys. Uh, when, when I would go to church, praise and worship basically consisted of this. Uh, the, the song leader would stand up, and of course you have the person on the organ or the piano, and they would tell you to basically to take your hymnal out in front of you, and they would tell you to turn to a certain page, and they would tell you what parts of the song to sing. Anybody ever been there? Yes. All right. So obviously, uh, you know, everyone was stood uh, very stoic and very serious. And and then, you know, we would sing what we were supposed to sing. And then we'd get to the end of the song. And, uh, you know, occasionally, occasionally in our churches, we would have, uh, you know, that crazy, super saved Christian that, you know, the song ended. Everybody goes quiet because we're waiting for instructions and they scream. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? I'm from the South. You got to work with That's how they'd holler. Right. And so literally when they would do it, it would scare the crap out of you. Right. You just weren't expecting that. You're, you know, just get blasted. And, you know, I got four brothers and, and literally when people would do that, we would stop and we would look around each other. We'd, we'd all laugh because they're like, that dude's crazy. Right. And we would always think that. So kind of when the dust would settle, obviously, what would you do? You just sit down and it kind of commenced. But it was all just this very serious matter. Right. All right, so kind of fast forward. Uh, as a junior in high school, I had one of my friends. He invited me to his church, his church. And I, and I went to his church, and, and they did a little different than us. They moved around a little bit. They raised their hand. They closed their eyes. In fact, I, I still remember very vividly standing, John to my left, and him like this. And I'm looking like, what in the heck is this dude doing? I was like, this joker looks crazy right now. And, and to be honest with you, um, 
you know, kind of, kind of the overall experience, just kind of seeing what they did, because obviously they weren't singing out a book. They were looking at a screen, reading it there. That was really new to me, too. And, and I thought, you know, this is different. Maybe it's a different good. But, but to be honest with you, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Anybody ever been there? Yes. All right. So then fast forward again. After I graduated high school, uh, I had another one of my friends. Uh, we went to a, a summer youth camp. We went to their last night. If you've ever been to a youth camp, uh, kids ha- are notorious for uh, trying to wait to the last night to really meet with God. And so we went to the, the last Thursday night meeting. And, uh, you know, and I was sitting there and they were, you know, it was Really similar to the previous church, the way they worship with their eyes closed, hands lifted, all that stuff. Um, but when they got to the end of the song set, something happened that I'd never seen before. Uh, they started singing this one song, and maybe you've heard of it. It's kind of famous. It's called Shout to the Lord. I never heard it before, right? So I remember, I still remember exactly in the spot I was standing in the room, my buddy Mike beside me. And they didn't just sing the song, but they sang this song for 45 minutes. Shout to the Lord. And they didn't just sing it, but they encountered God while they were singing it. It was so obvious that day that meant that God stepped in the room, that his presence came in. You know, I was sitting there and I couldn't deny the fact that he was there and I couldn't deny the fact that he was touching people's lives. And I remember just standing there because I didn't know how to engage in that, just watching. But I was watching in awe. Anybody ever been there? Yes, no. Listen, it was after witnessing that experience, and there's been many more like it, and obviously over the years, uh, you know, I've grown to be able to gauge in all that. But, but what I noticed after that particular experience is that I realized that God intended more uh, when it came to praise and worship than what I ever thought. And if I can be honest, there was more to praise and worship than what I was even taught. Because when I look back from, from at that moment backwards of my times in church, no one ever talked about praising God. They never talked about worshiping God. Yes, it was like a pastor never officially just taught on it. And so anyways, uh, I want to give you two quick observations I've had since that night. And uh, basically this, that over the years I've come to learn that it has nothing. When we're talking about praise and worship, we're talking about God moving. He ain't that cute, y'all. Everybody's just staring at him. So, uh, so over the years I've come to learn basically that it has nothing to do with the denomination has nothing to do with a style of music, has nothing to do with a song selection. It doesn't even have to do anything with, quote, unquote, the talent that's on and off the platform. Yes. So but what it does have everything to do with it has everything to do with the hearts of the people that are worshiping God. So if I can if I can maybe say it this way, I have been to plenty of churches where the group that was up here was really hungry for God. And the group here was not hungry for God. And guess where it went? Nowhere. I've also been to a lot of churches where this group up here was just putting on a performance and this group here really wanted to worship God. And guess where it went? Nowhere. It takes really this group wanting to be hungry for God, passionate for God, desiring God, uh, literally, you know, with pure hearts, with obedient hearts. And it takes these people with the same kind of heart to actually go somewhere and worship. Are you all following me today? Amen. So. That's the first thing I've noticed. So once again, that it takes hunger, it takes desire, it takes passion, and it takes a pure heart, an obedient heart through the word of God to basically go somewhere when it comes to worship. And, and even, to, even to say this, even to even have a clue of what worship even really is. You, you know, bottom line, let me just shoot straight with you. If you never approach worship with a heart that says, let, let me say it this way. In John 14, uh, one of, there's just some random guy. He approaches one of Jesus' disciples and he says this. He says, sir, I desire to see Jesus. Get the get the the heart of that, sir. I desire to see Jesus. If we don't approach worship with that desire to see Jesus, guess what? We'll never encounter him. Yes. You you know, the, the, the sad part is, is that so many churches, they come and what they do is they is they sit here, they stare at the screen, stand up, sing a song. And we might as well just be doing karaoke, but not at a bar. Because we're just reading words off the screen. It's got to have a heart that's engaged to really go somewhere in the kingdom. Amen. So that's the first observation. The second thing is this. It's throughout history and even to this day. So study church history going all the way to this day. Every place that there has ever been a significant and a sustained move of God, there's always been a biblical form, uh, biblical form of worship expressed in it. Yes. Meaning this, that God has never come and did just these great things unless there was people that was kind of on the forefront of that really paving the way in worship. 
Yes? So, you, you know, to kind of even maybe make a point here, a lot of times why people even have a hard time hearing the word is because they really never even open their heart up in worship. But see, there's something. So let me kind of give you two things here. When we worship God, we are obviously open up our spirits and open up our hearts and we are preparing the way to be able to hear God's word for what he wants to say for, uh, to us that day. So if we once again, not, not slinging a punch at anybody, but watch this. If I leave church again, and again, I go, you know, what? I, nothing happened there. Well, how much was our heart open? Yes. So and even let me say this of, of maybe the importance of, of praise and worship really fast. Do you notice that in, in a service, okay, we're, we're here for about two hours every Sunday. What part of it's really for him and what part of it's for us? Worship is really the only part for him. So kind of keep that in mind. Yes, all the rest of it. So listen, we come to church. It is about us learning. It is about us growing and all those things. But it's also about us corporately encountering him and loving on him and worshiping him. Amen. Amen. Please don't ever forget that. So let me let me kind of go this way. Once again, uh, as far as significant and sustained move of God's, there's always been a biblical form of worship express. Let me let me kind of share this verse with that. The Bible tells us this in St. Corinthians three seventeen. It says now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Some of you guys may know a translation that says there is freedom. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, watch this, please. At first glance. Uh, one would think, well, if God is omnipresent, how many of you guys believe God's omnipresent? In other words, he's everywhere at all times. You can't get away from him, right? Some of us believe that, okay? Every hand should have been up that, yes, we believe that, that you can't get away from him. He's everywhere, okay? So bottom line, if we believe that God is omnipresent, then why isn't there freedom every time we worship? Watch this. Please watch this, okay? If I take that scripture at face value and I don't really search it out and go, what does it mean? Then I think, you know what, I just got to show up and God's going to do his thing. That's not what it means. When you look at the scripture, what it really means, please understand this. It says, it actually reads this way in the original Greek. It says, where there is freedom, there the spirit of the Lord is. Where there is freedom, the spirit of the Lord is. Basically what I'm saying is this, is we have a part to play in this. Yes, when we praise God with hungry hearts, please hear this. When we come without hindrance, when we come without restraint, when we come without hard hearts, when we come without our egos attached, when we come without the fear of man, guess what? The spirit comes. Amen. I mean, literally, if we're honest, look, because I'm, I'm all about honesty. If you've ever met around me, been around me, maybe I'm honest too much. OK, but the bottom line is, is how many times have we went? You know, I really want to do this at this moment. But that person sitting right there beside me. Fear of man. You, you know, when worship is really, really good, when it's really good and you're locked in, it's you, you forget that everybody's even there. You just get lost in him. That should be that should not be the exception. That should be the norm. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. So. All right. So obviously we're going to talk about praise and worship day. Let me just make a quick comment for clarity's sake, be, because praise and worship are so similar in their purpose, a lot of people think they're the same thing. It's kind of understandable, but they're really not. When we stop and we look uh, from a biblical standpoint and we go, what is praise? What is worship? We actually find that they're distinct in their own nature. Therefore, they have different meanings. And because they have different meanings, I'm only going to focus on one today. I'm going to focus on praise. Okay? Yes? Yes. All right. So let's start off by by defining praise. I don't know if it's going to be up there or not, but we'll go with it. I'll I'll read it twice if so. But praise means this. It means to applaud. It means to declare the worth of. It means to express, express the approval or the admiration of. To recognize the glory of. To adore or to celebrate. Somebody say to celebrate. So it means to applaud, to declare the worth of, to express the approval of, to express the admiration of, to recognize the glory of, to adore, to celebrate. Did we do that today in our praise and worship? Did we come with that kind of mindset? Watch this. Because biblically, praise is preoccupied with not only what God has done, not only with what God has done, but it's also uh, preoccupied with who he is. Amen? It's who he is. We celebrate who he is. We adore who he is. We recognize who he is. We admire. We approve. We applaud who he is. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this is key, though. Okay, please, everybody get this. 
It's really important that we understand that praise is extroverted in nature. Do you understand what I mean about that? There's introverted people, right, that are just quiet. And then there's extroverted people that are ah. praise and praise by nature and, and by its definition is extroverted. OK, so that means that means this, that. Uh, well, let me say it this way. The preacher, once again, is, is to celebrate. OK, so let me kind of maybe give you an example. Hop up. All right. Really simple. So if you can I'm ready. Put, turn around, face them, not me. All right. So I need you to give me your sad face. I need you to slump over a little bit. All right? I, I, I need you to act like you're bored. Can you act like you're bored? There you go. He does that too good. Now, 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 can you imagine, watch this, we're talking about praise. It's extroverted in nature. Can you imagine, come on, keep, I tell you, quit, keep it on. Act that way. All three, just kind of pull it. Go for it. Be a, teen, teen, be a teenager. They all do it, okay? They, they know how to work all three of them at the same time. I'm getting free from youth ministry. Here we go. So, so it just act like you're just bored. That's fine. So, so can you imagine if I came up to Kyle? Hey, Kyle, what you doing today? Oh, you know. I'm celebrating. <laughs> this is Kyle celebrating. Watch this. If people can't tell that you're praising, you're probably not. Well. Are, are, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because once again, praise is an extroverted thing. But 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 listen, do we look like that when it comes to worship? <laughs> Just here to celebrate Jesus. Thankful for what he's done. <laughs> so listen. <laughs> so that man's just happy he's going to get married next week. Y'all need to. All right. All right, so listen, I don't know about you, but, but I don't want to look like Kyle. That's fair. That, that Kyle. <laughs> listen, I want, to, I want to praise God the way he wants to be praised. So let me maybe ask you this question. We'll get rolling. We're all just kind of setting this up. Hopefully you're okay with this. Um, how many of you guys actually say, say in your own heart and in your own life, God, I want to live according to your word? Okay? God, I want to live according to the Bible. All right? So if that's the case, and what we're going to do today, because me too, uh, then let's look at the Bible and let's let's answer maybe this question. How does God um, how does God define praise? How does he want to be praised? Maybe that's a better way to say it. Let's look at the Bible and see how God wants to be praised. We're going to go quick. OK, the first one is this. and It's the most common way today. Super basic. Um, really, really simple. Here we go. It's singing, singing, singing. Am I saying that country enough for you? Sing. Singing. All right. I'm going to sing. Listen, praising God through singing is so important that, that he actually gave us a book that's nothing but songs. All right, watch this. When you translate the book of Psalms, it actually is translated as the book of praises. So when we look at the book of Psalms, the book of praises, we have to take a step back and realize that God didn't just give us 150 chapters. He gave us 150 songs that were set to music. Amen. So we can't say, you know, well, this music stuff really isn't important to God. Let's get on to the word. Wrong. Bottom line, it's very important to God. Yes. So listen to a few verses about singing that come out of the book of praise. Psalms 100 verse 2 says this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Gladness. That's key. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with what? With what? Singing. I'm going to mess with you people today. Psalms 912 says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart, not like Kyle, but with my whole heart, I will tell of all your marvelous work. It says, I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing what? All right. I'll sing what? Yes, to your name, O Most High. I want you to notice that, once again, very simple, but praise is audible. Praise is not praise until it is heard. Listen to Psalm 66, 8. It says, let the sound of praise be heard. Therefore, praise is more than this, folks. It's more than just having happy thoughts about God. Okay? It's fine that praise starts. Obviously, it starts with the mindset of who God is. But those thoughts, somewhere along the lines, have to turn into action for it to really become praise. Yes? So one of the ways, one of the ways that we demonstrate or we express this action of praise is by lifting our voices and singing. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 9. It says, lift up thy voice with strength, with strength, not just, but 
to sing it out. And it says this. It says, lift it up. And the key part is this for me, is be not afraid. Be not afraid. We can't be afraid to worship God. Yes, we can't be afraid to worship God in the presence of people. Amen. So to ask ourselves this question, I'm going to ask this again and again to you today. But what would happen if we praise God in that way? If we'd be willing to sing out loud, if we'd be willing to give it our all in that moment and not be afraid, what would happen? Another common way that we praise God, and I realize this isn't for everybody, but there's a point that I want to make. Number two is this, is playing musical instruments. I so wish I could play a musical instrument. First Chronicles 13, 8. You might not want me to do it. Let me practice. First Chronicles 13, 8 says, then David and all of Israel played music before God with all their what? With all their might, with singing on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals and with trumpets. And then let's share this awesome psalm. Psalm 150 says this. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to the abundance of his greatness. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with what? Loud cymbals. Let everything, this is my favorite part of this verse, let everything that has breath and every breath of, uh, breath of life praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath and every breath of life praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So watch this quick side note, because I know we all don't play musical instruments, even though God has ordained musical instruments to facilitate our praise and facilitate our worship. He never designed them so we could become dependent upon them in our worship. Are you following me too often in church? Okay, too often in church when the band stops, we stop. Right. But the Bible says this, it says, praise the Lord when? At all times. Praise the Lord. It didn't say just praise the Lord when the music's right. It says praise the Lord at all times. So what would happen in our own lives if we were in our car, if we were in our house, if we were in our living room, and the band's not there with us, and we still could get our praise on? What would happen? Yes? <laughs> Number three. One that was singing. Number two is musical instruments. Number three. We're going to stretch you here. It's shouting. It's shouting. Psalms 47 says this. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Psalm 66, 1 and 2 says, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms or with praises. So let me ask you a few questions today. Does the Bible not say in Joshua 6, on the seventh day and on the seventh time around the walls of Jericho, does it not say that it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat? Listen, how many times do we see in the Bible where the children of Israel have their backs up against the wall and God would tell them to do what? To lift up a shout of praise and the enemy would what? They would not only tremble with fear, but they would also be defeated like that. How many times, literally reading the Old Testament, did the people shout, bang on the pot and scream and holler and the enemy just started running and killing each other? The bottom line is, guess what? We cannot, we cannot, we cannot forget the fact of the spiritual side that's happening when we shout unto God. There's more that's happening, just my neighbor screaming and scaring me. The bottom line is, is there's biblical principles that there's stuff that happens when we begin to shout. Amen? Amen. Yes? All right, so how many times do we read in the Bible that after a great victory that God's people did what? That they shouted unto their God. Folks, let me ask you today, do we not have a great victory through Jesus? Yes, we do. So there should be a shout that's in us. Amen. So let me maybe put it another way. In Isaiah chapter six, uh, there's angels that are literally in the throne room of God and they're shouting. They're praising. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And it says that the threshold, guys, the threshold, the doorway of heaven shook that it was so loud. Are you hearing me? So listen, if you and I think that heaven's going to be like some funeral home, if we think heaven is going to be filled with some short, pudgy, uh, you know, little, little, uh, angels that are playing their harps floating on clouds, we're going to be really disappointed. Yes? Because heaven is super loud. Yes? So let me ask you this, with that thought in mind, what do we do with the words of Jesus that's in Luke 11? 
What do we do in Luke 11 when he says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? What do we do with that? Do you understand, please hear me, that God desires the same praise that's in heaven to be on display here. Let, let, me, even, let me even go this route with you, okay? And you may think this is crazy and that's fine. But that song that we started off today, the one we started singing, uh, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon the cross. That song right there. I actually heard the story about a guy that was in prayer, was in deep intercession. God took him to heaven, and he heard that song playing. Watch this. And then years later, he was sitting in church, and he heard it. Because, see, what happens is, is there's songs that are in heaven that God's desiring to be released to his people, but someone's got to go press in and go get it and bring it to the people. God wants the sound of heaven to invade this place. He wants that atmosphere to fill this one, right? And it's not, listen, please hear me. That atmosphere will never invade this one as long as we act like in worship that there's a librarian standing over our shoulder. <laughs> Folks, there's freedom, right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. What would happen if we praise God like that with a shout? Number four, lifting our hands. Lifting our hands. Psalm 63, 3 through 4. It says, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. It says, I will lift up my hands in your holy name. Psalms 134, verse 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. First Timothy two through eight says, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. And it actually says this. It says without wrath and without doubt, without doubt that we would come of just understanding who he is without with a zero ounce of doubt in our heart. Amen. That we understand who he is and we're just here to love him. So let me let me maybe uh, take a few minutes here and give you a few illustrations that might suggest why we lift our hands. Because there's a lot that I keep kicking that thing this morning. Something's wrong with me. All right. Is this is that um, there's things that the Lord will ask us to do that doesn't make sense in the natural. Fair enough. There's a lot of things, at least for not like the eyes, uh, like the prophet, uh, you know, that's got to go in the middle of the tail and strip down naked and lay there on the ground for a year. Be thankful. You just have to lift your hands. Right. So. <laughs> I guess you'd go to jail these days. Anyways, all right, so a few illustrations why we lift our hands. So for, for probably the last six or seven years, almost every time that I come home from work, almost every time, listen, one of the greatest joys of my life is this moment right here. When I, as soon as I come through the door, uh, once again, I have four children, three of them that can, uh, that can communicate, all right? So, but they will literally run to me with arms outstretched and they scream this, Daddy's home! Is it not that at that moment everything else just kind of fades away? You're like, yeah, all right, it's my boy, love you, dude, all right. But daddy's home, the screaming, and everything in their face uh, it says this: pick me up, hold me close, embrace me. Yeah, what an awesome moment. You, you know, I was thinking the other day about that, and I was thinking this: you know, when, when my kids run to me like that and they want me to pick them up, they want me to embrace them. Where did that come from? Who, who put it there in them? Are you with me? In other, in other words, when I come when I come home, Jen doesn't go, "My husband's home," and runs to me. Ah! It won't be, you know. She should. Amen. All right. So, all kinds of thoughts right now that I'm containing. All right. So here we go. All right. So, anyways, try it next week. All right. So anyways, listen, but but why is it there? It wasn't because somebody told them it's because God put it there. You you know, the the bottom line is this is the Bible tells us again and again and again that it refers to God as father. It refers to him as Abba, as daddy God, even Abba. If you if you study and some of you guys know this, but but when you study uh, basically the culture of the Jews, Abba was such an intimate word. It it was was such a personal word that man that it, it was he's daddy. Yeah, he is not. Listen, he's not some, uh, you know, big master up in the sky that's just angry at us, wants to hit us in the head with a stick when we mess up. He loves us. Right. Because don't just refer to himself as father, but he refers to us as his sons and daughters, refers to us as his kids. Right. His children. So if I can maybe, you know, throw out there at you is this, is that um, 
when we lift our hands to the Lord, that we are literally saying, pick me up, Daddy God. Hold me close to your heart. I want to be near you. I want to feel your embrace. Amen. Let, let me, let me, bottom line, let me tell you something. Some of us hit such difficult spots in life, we need that moment. I cannot tell you how many times I've went in there and I've said those words, Daddy, I need you to hold me. Yeah? And just weep and cry and just know that the presence of God is there. You, you, know, I, I, you know, I've been, I've been literally in, in worship before and been, and been praising and I felt literally, I don't know if y'all can see me, but I was standing up and literally felt this on my shoulder, literally felt the physical hand on my shoulder. And then I turned around and there was nobody there because I needed him. And he came and just said, you know what, you're, you're not alone. Literally felt the physical hand, the weight of it. So let me give you another illustration. If, if someone walked up behind you and they shoved a gun in the back of your neck. Now, fellas, if you can, suppress your inner Jason Bourne at this moment. All right? Maybe you'll know who Jason Bourne is. Good movie. All right? Every man thinks he is really that. God put it there. All right? So... Put up your moment where you want to do some Karate Rambo stuff, all right? So anyways, so if somebody put a gun to the back of your head, what would you do? You're going to put your hands up, right? You're going to put them up in the air. So let me work. Let me work. You calm down over there, all right? She has an inner, I don't know, Juanita born. I don't know, whatever, all right? So listen, along those same lines, watch this. When an army knows that they have lost, when they know they've been defeated, what do they do? Yes, they surrender, but what do they do? They, they throw down their guns, they throw down their defenses, and they throw their hands up in the air, and they put themselves in an unprotected, vulnerable position. Are you with me? So by lifting our hands, here's what we're communicating to the Lord. God, you've won me. You've won me. I surrender. I'm taking all my defenses. I mean, listen, you know that's a sign. They teach you just normal People's language, right? Body language. When they cross their arms, they're being defensive. They're holding something back. So we're lifting our hands. We're saying, God, I'm not, I'm not being defensive in this moment. I'm giving you access to every part of my heart, every recess of my heart. God, it's yours. Are you with me? Amen. So it's, let me make it this way. We live in a world that we're constantly trying to protect ourselves. Yes? Somebody walks up to us at a gas station. Even here, I'll give you, even we, we were downtown with Brian and Leah and them, uh, what was it, Friday night, right? Kind of going down the festivities. It's pretty cool. So we're doing that, and I'm walking, and there's a guy that goes, hey, man, immediately my reaction was to protect myself. Because he just said, you know, you want to borrow a lighter? Sorry, dude, don't smoke, right? But, but he immediately wanted, you know, and I just said, you know, i got to guard myself in this moment. I don't know what this guy's going to do. We, we live in a world, and it's a little bit different here than where we just moved from, but you're always in that protective mode, right? Why, why, do, why do some of us carry guns, right? So, but when we come to the Lord and we put ourselves in a, in a spot where their hands are lifted, we're saying, God, I, I, I choose at this moment not to protect myself from anything you want to do. You have access. Do what you want to do in me. So what would happen, once again, if we praise God like that with an open heart? Number five, really simple, clapping our hands. Oh, listen, I went to a church. I really debate if I want to say this. But the church that I started going to, uh, the, the hymnal church, right? And uh, I'm just giving you back to my own experience there. When I went to that church after I was there, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe a few months it was my senior in high school. When I went there, I found out that that church split over clapping hands. It split. The people who wanted to clap their hands went, no joke, a mile and a half down the road and started a church. Well, that's God. Clearly. Okay? Clearly that was the Lord. Okay? But here's why. Because they wanted to clap after someone sang a special. So when somebody got up and gave their heart and sang their song, people want to clap, they got bent out of shape. We, you can't do that here. We're going down the road. We're finding ourselves a pastor. Anyways, so number five, that was free. Five, clapping our hands. It's Psalms 47, 1-2. It says this, oh, 
and says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. It says, all you people. All you guys. All you guys. All y'all. That's right. We'll bring you to Bama. All you people. All right. It says, shout to God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is awesome. So watch this. In studying forms of praise, the, the impression behind clapping your hands uh, was never designed to, to stay, let's stay on beat. Now, it's cool that we do that, but really what, what's your happening is it has nothing to do with, oh, there's a rhythm there and I'm going to pump the beat with them. It, it, what is really happening there is it is a, uh, it's another form of expression to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Even in this, if you can imagine this, um, maybe to get really simple, I don't have the ability to play the keys like Kim. All right. I, I don't. It would be a mess. But what God has given me is two hands and somewhat uh, in a white boy rhythm. Right. It is ultra white. I promise you. But there's a rhythm and there's a shout and there's thing. I, I personally become an instrument. Are you hearing me? I personally become an instrument, and what do I do? Once again, that as I applaud, as I uh, as I clap and I shout and all these things, I declare His worth. I express uh, my approval I, and my admiration to Him. I demonstrate once again that I'm recognizing His glory. I so wish we would get that. We recognize how awesome He is, and, and once again, I'm showing my adoration. I'm celebrating Him. Now, let me maybe give you an example, okay? And I mention these guys every week, so we'll we'll kind of go further along here. But you have this team, the Patriots. So it, it, just listen with the clapping of hands. Watch this. So we have the Patriots. We have the Celtics. We have the Red Sox. We got the Padres back there, right? We got the Crimson Tide right here, right? Yes? Listen, if I'm at a ball game, my team comes on the field. Woo! Yeah! Let's go, Bama! Roll tight, roll, baby! Reverend Jailer! <laughs> Brian's looking at me like I'm an idiot. He he doesn't like sports. So what's it? So everybody's all, is that not true? We're all, oh, let's go. You know, our team took the field, our basketball team took the court, whatever our favorite soccer team's playing. We're all, we're all screaming our heads off. What are we doing in that moment? We are, we are, you know, people go, well, well that's idol worship. Yeah, okay, watch this. At the same time, what are we doing? We, we are literally applauding them. We're declaring their worth to us. That's my team. Yes, we're expressing our approval, our admiration for them. We're demonstrating that we recognize how awesome they are to us. We, we are doing what? We're showing our adoration. We are celebrating our team at that moment. Yes? Yes, in essence, we are praising them. It's no different than, than uh, when you're a kid, right, when you got a little kid, and they actually poo in the potty and not in their pants. <laughs> Yay! Because if you're, a, if you're a man, you see that money's getting saved, right? You don't have to buy diapers. Yes. Maybe it's just a dude, all right? And for women, maybe like, yeah, you got to wipe it again. Amen. So anyway, but it's a victory. So what do you do? It's a two-year-old. You're so great. You're so You're praising them. Yes? Yes. So what would happen if we came with that kind of excitement to praise and worship? Just a thought. Number six. Oh, this is going to really test your salvation. Number six, dancing. Well, you know, I used to do it in the club. They even have clubs up here. <laughs> Some of y'all, before y'all say, li- listen, our old pastor in North Carolina, he actually won a shagging competition. I don't even know what shagging is. All right. But anyway, so I know it's some kind of dance. But, but, but the bottom line, you know, I don't care if you country line dance or whatever it is. Listen, all, you know, so many people in they used to be in the world, it wasn't a big difficult thing to go dancing. But, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. But then you come to the house of God and you act like you got concrete feet. <laughs> Something's wrong with that, right? Listen, listen to Psalms 30, 11, 12, and, and, and hear from the heart of, man, you got saved. It says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. It says, to the end that my glory or that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you. How long? Forever. Psalms 149 verse 3 says, let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. Second Samuel 614. I love this. My favorite one of all these says, then David danced. That actually means that he whirled around wildly. 
before the Lord with all his might. Let me even give you a thought here, okay? Do you, do you realize that when the, when the Bible says that when someone gets saved that the Lord rejoices? Has anybody ever seen that? Do you know that the word rejoice there literally means that God steps off his throne and spins wildly and celebrates and then he sits back down? So, li- listen, you're really acting like him. You're joining him in the dance. Maybe I can say it that way. You're joining him in the dance. All right. So, I'm going to tell a story here that doesn't really fit, but I just want to share it. All right? So, when Michaela was five, um, we thought, okay, let's get her involved in some activities. We went down to the local YMCA, and we signed her up for the good old soccer team. Remember that? So, we, anyways, and we kind of got hassled into it by some friends because their daughter was playing. So, anyways, we, we took Michaela, and she, she joined the Black Ninjas. <laughs> they decided the name. The kids decided the name, the Black Ninjas, whatever, okay. Somebody watching too many cartoons. Anyway, so they became the ninjas. She got her little, her little black shirt. I think she was number two. And uh, anyway, so we, we went to a few practices. Then we took her to her first game. And, and, you know, of course, you know, she was a little intimidated. So all the kids were running. You know, at that age, they'd just get in a wad, right, and just chase the ball and trip each other. It's kind of brutal. And it's pretty awesome, too, when, when our kids were tripping our own team. Why are you taking the ball from your teammate? I mean, literally slide tackle from behind. It was awesome. Kid, anyway, it's great. They're crying and stuff. It's awesome. Anyways, so the, the wads are moving, and Kayla's just kind of running behind them. Okay, the ball's going that way now. Okay. And, and she would literally just did this the, most of the game and just kind of followed. Never, you know, the ball came to her. Everybody, you know, everybody kind of goes around her. All right, time to go. So that was the first game. Second game, we're on our way, Okay. Thinking, okay, clearly this is not her thing, but we're going to support her. All right, so so we're going, and we we didn't even get we like got out of the car, kind of was going around the building, and there was the fields, and she looks at me and she says, Dad, I don't think I want to play soccer anymore. She goes, I want to dance. <laughs> I had to endure the rest of that season. <laughs> it was bad. All right. It was bad. That was rough. We did win the championship, though. My daughter had nothing to do with it, but we won it. All right. So there were some games she's like, Coach, I don't want to play. She just sat there. So I watched all these other people's kids. Anyway, whatever. All right. Anyway, so dance. I, like I said, it has nothing. I just want to share it. There you go. All right. So, but have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed uh, with a toddler? Right? Has anybody ever had a toddler in here? All right. The music starts playing. What do they do? I was like, my, my two youngest kids, they got this thing. I'm like, I'm like oh, Nick. You, you know, but, but they do this. I don't know. We got videos. I so wish we could have showed them to you today. Anyways, walk around, a little, little teddy bear playing music, and they're just jamming. I mean, you know, but literally any time music comes on, even I think two days ago, Jen just started making a beat in the kitchen, and Jude went nuts. He just went wild. What? You know? But, but here, once again, here's the thought. Where does that come from? Who puts it there? God put it there. Yes? It, it's, there, there's something. Let me go this way, and I'm, and I'm probably going to so misquote this scripture. But you know the scripture in Isaiah. It says this. It says that we will mount up with wings as eagles. It says that we will uh, run and not grow weary. That we will walk and not be faint. All right with that? And then it basically comes down to a crawl. Are y'all following me? But we're going to keep moving. Th- that, that's, that's really the way most, y'all, everybody look at me, please, real quick. That's the way most, um, I know I'm pulling it out of context. You can throw rocks at me later. But that's the way most Christians' walks look. When they get saved, they're sore and wah. They get dignified a little bit. And then the older they get, and then, you know, it's like we mature. No, you die. You use your maturity for excuse not to be free. Is that okay to say that? Get something, get some looks. But that, but that, watch, that's true. But the, you know, here, here's kind of my hope for me. All right, 
I know that I know that I know. I've been, I've been walking with the Lord almost 20 years now that I love Jesus more today than I've ever loved him. Okay? And, and my heart's desire is, is that I would continue to get more free and, and mature greater and greater and greater in my own biblical worship. That dude must be really good looking. Every time he stands up, y'all, he's already married. All right? So, anyways. All right. So, am I making sense to you guys, though? You, you know, because, listen, you know, I'm stepping out of youth ministry, right? Where, 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 you know, granted, you know, we'd have whatever, 200 plus whatever kids in the room, and there's a good portion of them up front going nuts, okay? And some of it is, is learned behavior and all that, and I get that, okay? It's not all perfect. But it's so, you know, but my thought and my hope is, is this, is that the older people, the, the fathers in the faith, the mothers in the faith, that they would be such an example of those young people that a young person could look at you and go, man, I want what they have, you know, that, that literally that the older people in our church are that free that a young person would come here and wouldn't even feel. I mean, they're already going through tons of pressure anyways. Right. Puberty's happening and they're worried about what people are thinking. But we should be an example. Right. Yes. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Actually, let me let me say something to you really quick. All right. I think I can get it. All right. So has anybody ever heard the, the Hebrew word uh, Shabbat? Shabak for praise. It's actually Shavak. Okay? It's a V. So anyways, so it's a word for praise. Watch this. And I'm going to give you just personal experience before we go to our last one here, okay? Um, that word, yes, it means to extol. It means to, uh, to praise. It, you know, it means, means all the things that we've been talking about. But the word picture it gives is this, is that your life looks like a raging sea. All hell is breaking loose. And that as you begin to shabak, as you begin to shabak to the Lord and praise Him, that that raging sea becomes still as glass. That's the picture it gives us. So watch this. There's been times where I have walked through a lot of difficult things. It's life, right? We all do. There's times where my, my flesh wants to go have a pity party. Anybody ever been there? Y'all wait? I want to have a pity party. Oh, pity me. There's been times that I have, that I have literally made myself Go to the prayer closet. And I'm telling you what I do because I believe that, that. That literally when hell's breaking loose, I believe that word that everything will be calm. I go in there and I shut my door. I turn my music up really loud and I dance my butt off before the Lord. As ugly as it looks. <laughs> but I dance and I shout and I scream and I, pray, and I pray. And what happens is, is in the middle of that, that word Shavuot comes true. And all of that which seems so big goes, and the peace of God comes. Are you with me? Are you with me? It, listen, it's times where things are going bad, but it's also times when I've really blown it. And I've really messed up my own backs against the wall. That I say, okay, God, your word's true. I'm going to go do it. And you know what? At first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I may not feel like doing it. But don't let my emotions stop me. Amen? I choose to let my spirit lead me, not my emotions. And so when I do it, and guess what? God always... Always. There's never been a time he has it. He responds in those moments. Amen. So, you know, I would even encourage you guys with this. Um, you know, I, I have right before I got saved, I really battled with depression before I got saved. Really battled. And, uh, you know, that's a difficult thing. You know, you just don't go, hey, here's a pill. Get over it. You know, it's a real deal. But I, I am convinced to this day part of the answer of getting out of that is going and praising him. It's getting your eyes off you and off your situation and putting on him. And guess what? The joy of the Lord will come and the joy of the Lord will be my strength and it helps me get through it. You know, because, listen, every time I've walked out of that prayer closet, sweaty, right, steady, I've walked right out of there. And guess what? That problem's still there. But there's such a different resolve that knowing that God's involved in it, right? And, and then it comes in this way that I don't have to put my hand to it because the moment I put my hand to it, God takes his hand off. And I said, God, I need you. To, I need you in this. And I just walk it out. And every time, 20 years, he's been faithful. Amen. All right. So last one here. OK, there's more I'm going to share. So don't get too excited. But last point. All right. Number seven is this. And it's kind of weird, but it's standing, standing, standing. I want you to remember when I read this verse that. Um, we are a royal priesthood. Did I say that okay? S-T-A-N-D-I-N-G. I see people telling people, here's what he said. Help me. Man, maybe, maybe I'm more country than I think. 
edit that out. Edit, just edit that out. All right, so there you go. Say it loud. That's what we're going to talk about right there. That's point number seven. So, so remember, we are, we are a uh, royal priesthood, right? The Bible tells us that. So remember that when we read this. Psalms 135 says, You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. So with the priest. Says, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. Now, watch this. Let me give you a real the word picture, because there's a lot of scriptures we could read with this. I, I had to go take a whole bunch out, because I was going forever. But when you study the, the tabernacle of the Old Testament, you find out that God gave clear instruction uh, for the type of furniture that was going to be in the tabernacle. Yes? And uh, so, obviously, every bit of it was made to specification. It was placed exactly where God wanted it in the interior, in the, the, in the interior interior of the tabernacle uh but there was one piece of furniture which god made no provision for it was a chair there was no chair in there and the reason was is because the the priest uh he was to stand the entire time while he ministered unto the lord you know follow me so when we are praising god and we are worshiping as priests we are ministering unto the lord and so when it comes to standing, standing is, yes, a position of honor, but it's also uh, a position of respect, and it's a physical expression of worship. Now, let me kind of maybe give you an example. And if you can kind of put aside what you think about our government for the moment, just hear it within the context. But uh, if we were all together in a meeting with a bunch of dignitaries, okay, and the POTUS, President of the United States, walked in the door, what does everybody do? Stands right at their feet. Why? Because we respect and we honor the position. We respect and honor the title. Right? One author said this. He said, Then how is it that when we all gather together to celebrate the presence of the King of Kings, a portion of us are found sitting? We wonder why God doesn't come. Maybe it's because we don't honor Him. Yes? Amen. Listen, you know, Next weekend, Cassie's going to walk down the aisle, and we're all going to stand up. We're going to honor the bride. I love Cassie, but I certainly love Jesus a whole lot more. I don't mean that in a bad light, but Cassie didn't die for me. The president didn't die for me. Jesus did. I'm going to honor him. Watch this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible when it comes to, it comes to my, my mindset in worship is in Psalms chapter 16. It has nothing to do with worship, but it catches everything about the principle. Um, most of you know the story. It's when Samuel went to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel, right? The Lord, the Lord spoke to Samuel, said, take your horn of oil. Well, it says, I've rejected Saul as king. Take your horn of oil. Go to Jesse's house, and I'll show you basically the one to anoint. You're going to anoint one of his kids. And we all know the drill. All the boys passed before him. The Lord said, nope, 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 nope. And then it gets down to verse 11, and Samuel says to Jesse, are all the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest And there he is, keeping the sheep. Watch this. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. That has been one of of my biggest, you know, whatever, North Star, whatever, when it comes to worship. I will not sit down till he comes. Won't. I won't stop in my own prayer closet. I'm not leaving God until you come. Are you all following me? If they can honor some boy like David like that, I can honor the king of kings more. I will not sit down until you come. Yes? Let me give you... um, I'm going to put it on this guy so you don't get mad at me. One author said this. He says, we have some dear folks in our church who cross their arms, lower their heads, purse their lips and say, this is just my way of praising the Lord. Praising him. He said, wrong. First of all, there's no such thing as my way of praising the Lord. There is only God's way. Therefore, if lifting the hands is not my way of praising God or fill in any of the seven, if that is not your way of praising God, then we need to make it our way of praising God. We need to do it until it becomes a natural and genuine part of our expression to him. Amen. So, so listen, watch this. Let me give some grace here, all right? I, too, came out of a background that these things were not part of. Okay? 
But I, you know, and it was weird to me at first, but I have found as I begin to uh, adventure out and do what the word says that God has met me every step of the way. Yes. And so I would just uh, challenge you, but yet encourage you at the same time. Don't get don't feel beat up if you don't do these things. That's not the intent of all this. But have enough courage to step out and do some of it. Amen. And watch what God will do. Yes. Because at the end of the day, watch this. You'll never grow or mature in your expression of praise until you're willing to do praise the way God wants you to praise. Right? You know, my my hope is, and something that I pray for our church, is God that we'll be a church that praises you. God that we'll be a church that's known for our worship. And I'm not looking to be known in the city. I'm talking about being known in heaven. Yeah? I could care less about the city in that light. We're not competition in that mess. The bottom line is I want, I want heaven to notice when we go worship. Y'all follow me? I want, I, want this, I want us to get God's attention. But it's not going to happen as long as we are selfish in our worship and do it our way. Right? It's going to happen if we do it His way. And so, you know, today we really, we really have a choice. Okay? Yeah, you have this choice literally every week. Okay? You can either go, all right, I heard you, but I'm going to keep doing what I do. Or you can say, God, I'm going to somehow look past the young man from Alabama, and I'm going to hear what you're saying. God, what are you saying? Is there truth in that? And God, if there's truth in it, what do I need to do about it? Because there, there, there should be something happening in us. And maybe I'm just, you're going to learn. I don't, I don't do well with people just say, well, this is how it's going to be. I've told you that. We've got somewhere to go, and it's Bible's way. Okay? So at the end of the day, the... What should be happening and what my expectation is, is that every week we'll progress more and more in him. Because every week we'll take it with an open heart, we'll apply it. And that means in that week, I, because I'm applying I'm growing. Yes? See, see part, part, of the, part of the issue, if I'm going to just shoot straight, is why a lot of us have a hard time entering into worship when we come here. It's because we don't worship the rest of the week. You, you, you know, you're more caught up in how you look when you come to church more than how you are ready in your inside of going, okay, is my heart really open? Is that too straight? Okay. But what would happen if we actually had a, had a, once again, a, a consistent pattern of worship in our own lives? And then, you know, I've said this before, but then we just all come together and we bring that all together and we go. Right? Heaven's going to notice. You, you know, one of my own prayers for my own life is, God, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. And, uh, you know, once again, I make choices daily uh, for that to happen, you know, if it's in my own prayer closet, if it's what I music, I listen to all that. I, I, I want to be a worshiper. Amen. So let me read two verses and we'll get out of here. All right. Two portions, not two verses, but two portions. Are you all OK? Am I boring you? Right answer. All right. Here we go. Second <laughs> Chronicles uh, chapter five, verse 12, 14 says this. Please, please catch the heart of this. And, uh, and once again, we'll roll. OK. It says this in verse 12. It says, and the Levites, how many of you guys know that's really us? Yes? Yes, that's us. If you're a believer, that's you. You fulfill that role now in the modern day church. And the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph, and I'm going to say it, He-Man. I don't know. I like He-Man as a kid. So there you go. And uh, Jedithan, it says, with their sons and their brethren, what they do? They stood. You can see all of them here. At the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, they were pure, having cymbals, stringed instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. It was loud. 120 trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and the singers were what? As one. That's so powerful, but as one. So watch, watch what happens when you have all these people. So it's doable. They're one, one heart, one mind, one spirit. It said to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and the instruments of music and praise the Lord, saying, for he is good. Once again, it's this idea, once again, of who he is. It says, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. That's the Shekinah glory, the physical manifestation of the presence of God. It says, and listen, that's doable. I have friends that have seen it and been in service where it's there, all right? So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That's what happens when the entire church, when we would come into unity in our praise, and those things, not only unity with each other, but with unity with how God wants praise to be done, 
guess what? His glory comes. Amen? So, once again, I just want to say this. This is why it's so important that I can't come into worship with a selfish mindset that says it's about me and, and somehow, you know, is that song I like? Is, is that what, whatever? Or, or even this. Well, you know, I've had a rough week. I don't really feel like praising God. Anybody ever been there? Here, let me shoot straight with you, all right? Sorry. Let me shoot straight with you here. I remember one service, one service, I learned a lesson. I was probably through about three or four years old in the Lord. I was still in the front row. That man right there was sitting beside me, and I was 21 years old. And I said this, God, I don't feel like worshiping you today. I'm not going to. What audacity. <laughs> I just, you know, and everybody's jumping and going, but bananas. Remember that day? I mean, Brian would be in his green suit, and and, uh, and he'd be all sweaty, and, you know, he and I were kicking that off rhythm section over there, and uh, we were doing it. And anyway, so he's, Brian is a little bit he's going, he's going wild with the Lord, right? And I'm sitting there. It's not in the mood. The worship pastor, no joke, I said that, five seconds later, came off the platform to me on the front row, and there was this part of the song, and he shoves the mic in my face. <laughs> for me to sing it. And I just screamed it. Ah, I can't sing, right? And the Lord was like, oh, yeah? You're, you're not going to praise? Watch out, Jen's coming next week for you. And I'm playing. <laughs> but literally, at that moment, I, you know, it was really, it was, it was a moment my immaturity got in the way and God got my attention and said, boy, we're not going to play like that. When it's my time, it's my time. You know, from that day forward, 21 years old, here we are 16 years later, ready to worship God. Because <laughs> I remember that. That was so embarrassing, right? He got me. Anyways, so, all right, so basically this, that when you and I, please understand the corporate body, okay? We're, we're a team here. A lot of us like sports, and, um, you know, there, there's nothing worse than watching your team and knowing that half the team's not giving effort, Okay? That's frustrating because when you know that you can play better than that and they're not doing it. So watch this. When it comes to worship and we don't come and we don't give it our our best go, uh, can you understand that you're really hindering the whole here? You're really hindering what God wants to do. And I'm not saying don't don't come back. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying give it your best, right, because God wants to do something. We need your best. You you, you never know what, what somebody in the room that they need a miracle to come their way. Don't get in the way of that. Don't get in the way. Come, open heart, and say, God, have your way. Last part. Malachi 1, 6 and 8 says this. If you didn't hear anything today, hear this, please. It says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? Did y'all get that? If I'm the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, you priests. Once again, Revelations 1, 5 says we're kings and priests. It says, says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? God says, you offered defiled or you offered spoiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? In other words, you're doing this, but you're saying that. And then it says, by saying, in other words, by doing, by offering spoiled food, uh, you're saying this, that the table of the Lord is to be despised. Verse 8 says, and when you offer the blind animal as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick animal, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he, uh, would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Man, you're talking about just getting kicked in the, in the noggin, right? Yes? So in essence, what, what the Lord is saying is this. He's rebuking his priests because they were they were keeping the, the good part of the, the flock to themselves. And they were taking the blind, the crippled, basically the ones that you, you had to kill anyways, and they were offering that to him. They were offering the, the less. In essence, what happens is, is God is rebuking them. He's rebuking his kids for not bringing them his best. God, guys, God deserves our best. He gave us his best. And so, you know, how many times have we come to worship and just brought some blind, lame, crippled, spoiled worship to the Lord. How many of us did this morning? Yeah? L- listen, can I shoot frank with you? Shoot straight? We didn't go anywhere this morning in worship. We didn't go anywhere. Is that God's will? No. It's on us. 
We can't walk out and go, well, God didn't show up today. No, you own it. You own it. You own it. Is that too straight? <laughs> we got to own it and go, okay, it's on, it's on us. Next time we come to your house, God, we're going to bring you our best. So can you imagine if we did those seven things and if we offered God our best, what would happen in this place? Bottom line, what would happen in your life? Amen? Rachel, can you come to the keys, please? Come on, Ben. Still open up the heavens, I guess. No, because I want, I want to get something that's going to stretch y'all. I'm going to get something that's going to mess with you. All right? Fair enough? Yes? All right. Don't email me this week, by the way. All right? So, you ready? So we're going to see you open the heavens. If you want to get out of your chair, whatever you want to do. But listen, let's do what the word says, all right? For this day, we're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awaken. Amen. That was a good trial run, right? So listen, I, you know, I've been, um, how can I say this? Somebody made a comment to me. They said, we always felt like we were shamed into doing things. Okay? And, and that's the last thing that I want you guys to get from my heart, that I'm trying to somehow force us to do things or to make you feel bad to do things. That's not the intent. Okay? The, the, the goal is basically, guys, here's the word. Let's respond to it. Let's love Jesus. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's all you're going to get from this guy. All right. Is can we can we serve God the way he wants us to serve him? And uh, and however that is, bottom line, if it contradicts us, if it forces us to change all that, then, Lord, we love you. We're willing to do that. Right. So do me a favor. So next week. So next week when we come, um, you know, it's going to be obviously a different service. But come with that kind of anticipation, that kind of attitude. Yes? That's, that's the start of something of going, yes, God, we, we really honor you. We really love you. We really want to do this for you. Amen? All right. So let me pray with you really fast. Father, thank you, God, for every person in this room. Lord, thank you for their desire to be obedient to your word and to do just just to simply love you the way you want us to love you. Father, help us to uh, just continue to put ourselves in a position to be stretched, God, so we can honor you and love you the way you the way you desire for us to. Because at the end of the day, God, it's really for our benefit. It's really for our good. God, being around you is our good. In fact, Lord, even as... Uh, as the Bible says, it says, your nearness to us is our good. So, God, why would we not want to do it your way so we could be near you? And so, Father, thank you for continuing to stretch our heart, stretch our capacity, stretch our love for you so that we can honor you the way you desire. In Jesus' name, bless your people, God, today. Bless them. Bless them. Father, I thank you for revelation. God, true revelation, God, of what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.